Jesus did not come to relax or to restrain of the law or to destroy its authority. He came to fulfill it. So to teach that Jesus destroyed the law or did away with it, it would be what? It would be to teach error. He didn't get away from it. He came to fulfill it. He didn't get rid of it. He fulfilled it. So that we can be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Today's message continues our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and it's good to have you with us for a clarifying look at how the law, grace, and obedience all fit into God's will for His people. Stay with us here on Somebody Loves You Radio as Roll explores our need for a Savior and encourages us to follow Jesus in genuine devotion. Let's listen as Raul Reese begins. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. The title of my message, Christ Fulfilled the Law. Now when you think about it, think about how many people also within the church are trying to fulfill the law by works. And when you think of faith, yes, true faith has true works. But think of all the people that will attend church this Sunday morning all over America. And they will go to church for different reasons. Number one, maybe guilt. Number two, I'm doing my duty. Number three, I feel good when I go to church. And then, of course, those that come. Because they really want to learn and they want to change their hearts. That's important. Change my heart, oh God. Look what he says, beginning at verse 17 of chapter 5 of Matthew. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. So he's speaking about the five books of Moses, and he goes to the Old Testament. I did not come to destroy, but to what? To fulfill. For assuredly, I say unto you, whenever he says, for assuredly, I say unto you, you better pay attention. It's very important what he's going to say. He says, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, and the jot was the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And notice, in the tittle. And the tittle was like an apostrophe over a letter. You have a letter, a little apostrophe on top of it. So he says, not one jot, not one tittle will be by no means passed from the law until all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, one, and teaches men so, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. That's what he says, the least in the kingdom of heaven. And then at the end of verse 20, what did he say? He said this, For I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean by righteousness? By righteousness, he's talking about how they have no faith in Christ. But their faith is in works. In works. They think because they're doing great works. They're in a corner and they're helping this little old lady across the street. I just did a good work. Or I gave to the church. That's good works. 
That's not it. Only true faith, believing, obeying, living the life, is true faith in who? Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it's nothing. Nothing at all. So we see here the Lord Jesus Christ speaking out. Listen to what he says in Matthew now, 520. Now we're going to look at the scribes and Pharisees repudiating the guardian of the law. In Matthew 520, he says what? For I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, in Matthew 6, 1, he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no regard from your Father in heaven. The Jews, the Pharisees, were sitting back as Jesus was on the side watching them in the temple. And all of a sudden, there was this little old lady. What they did is they came and they would go, Look how much I'm putting in the bucket. There were seven trumpets. And they would make noises when they were taking their money out to tie that to the Lord. And then they put it in. And then they said, I put in so much. Look, drops it in. And then a little old widow comes up with a penny. And she puts it in and she walks away. And she just said to the guy, hey, you see that woman? She gave more than all those hypocrites because she gave it with all her heart. That's what the church needs today in every area of our lives. He goes on and notice in verse 2 of chapter 6, he says, Therefore, when you do your charitable deeds, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. I surely say unto you, they have the reward. They wanted to be praised by men. If you were walking across here on Golden Springs, across over here by the light, and it was time to pray, you carry your little mat with you. You would stop traffic and say, too bad, you got to wait. Put your little mat down and you start praying so people could see you. So we are living in a time where Jesus is rebuking in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 6 of Matthew, he says, and when you pray, he talked about giving, he talks about praying. And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites. Every time, hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. And then verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, so giving, prayer, and not fasting. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say unto you, they have the reward. Now, what they were doing is if you were fasting, they would say, hi, brother, how you do? What's the matter with you? I'm fasting. <laughs> they would have these faces they would make for people to know they were fasting. In chapter 15 of Matthew, verse 1, he says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash, nor is their hands, when they eat bread. And Jesus answered and said unto them, when they wash their hands, they don't go like this, like we do. They put their hands up, they have the water dropped on them, and they don't want the water to drop down to their elbows, so they're very careful, and then they dry their hands. Watch what he says. Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your traditions? For God commanded, saying, honor your father, your mother. He who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. 
But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me, it's a gift from God, then he needs not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by what? Your traditions. Tradition, tradition, tradition. Hypocrites. Well, that Isaiah prophesied about you saying, these people draw near to me, notice, with their mouth. And, not, and they honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me. Teaching at doctrines and commandments of men. So notice you're getting the full picture. Today. The four or five types of people. That come into the church. That do things for the church. And then again think of him as a redeemer of the law. Redeemer of the law. Because notice in verse 17, he says what? In Matthew 5, 17. He says, don't you think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets? What do you think? I did not come to destroy, but to what? To fulfill. Underline that. To fulfill. Notice he came to fulfill the law, not to break the law. Not just to say about the law. And the word here translated to fulfill means to make complete, to make full. I'm going to give you the full counsel. I'm going to give you the full law of God. Notice that. So Jesus came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. To fulfill in the spirit, which is much nobler than to fulfill it in the letter. That's why he came. And that's why he died. That's why he rose again. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Otherwise, we'd be bound by the law. And in the law, nobody would ever keep it. Not even the people of God in the Old Testament kept it. Jesus did not come to relax or to restrain of the law or to destroy its authority. He came to fulfill it. He didn't come to get rid of it. He came to do what the law could not do because of what? Because of the weakness of our flesh. He came to give us grace through his love by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he did. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His only Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin and condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Wow. If we walk by the Holy Spirit of God, then we're not under the law. But if you walk in the flesh, you're going to get what? You're going to get judged. So important to understand what he's saying here. As a Christian today. So Jesus is saying, I am the constitution of God. Consequently, this is what he's saying. I am the constitution. Jesus places himself in the exact meaning of the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Look, it was prophesied and I'm here. I came to fulfill. And notice what happens here. And the purpose of the Lord, number one, is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.20 Therefore by the deeds or the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight for by the law it is a knowledge of sin. Everybody's guilty. The knowledge of sin by the law. Secondly, it manifests God's righteousness. Romans 7.12 Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. 
And thirdly, I like this. The law leads us to Christ. Galatians 3.24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer a tutor. For you are all sons of God. Notice again. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't get confused. By faith in Jesus Christ. This is what the Pharisees and Christ have missed. They missed it. Who their need was greater in conformity in the God standards. They had a lot of religion, but they had no relationship like we have. The relationship that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We'll continue with more from Raul in just a moment. First time I read the Sermon on the Mount, I was blown away by it. I realized and I learned that we are all called to be salt in this earth. And we are to be a preservative to this world that is dying. Christ has placed us in this world to be a light, to be a witness of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we can sometimes forget that we need to stand out from this world and to be set apart. We need to actually live the gospel. Otherwise, how can we lead people to the Lord? We are called to long-suffering, to prayer, to forgiveness. And we are called to know the purpose God has for our lives. And to be in God's perfect will so that we can complete the work he has called us to do. Allow this book, Sermon on the Mount, to minister and transform your life the same way it did my life. To order Rawls' new book, Sermon of Sermons, visit somebodylovesyou.com. Now let's rejoin Raul Reese for the conclusion of today's message, Christ Fulfilled the Law. Second point, verse 19, the redeemed and the law. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men's soul shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the word here translated break is the compound word to destroy in verse 17. To destroy. As it is used here in regard to the law by the acting contrary to the law. So in English language, we simply speak of breaking the law, right? But the meaning here is to lose or to pull down by teaching error concerning the law. By not teaching the truth. So to teach that Jesus destroyed the law or did away with it, it would be what? It would be to teach error. He didn't get away from it. He came to fulfill it. He didn't get rid of it. He fulfilled it. So that we can be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And notice, and since every jot and tittle of the law remains on diminished force, it is a sin to violate or to break even the least commandment or to teach others to do so. Is that the Ten Commandments? How about the two commandments he gave to us? Love God with all your heart, with all your being, and all your might, and love one another as I have loved you. To love one another. Two commandments. So our Lord reference here is one of these least commandments shows what? That the Jews 
were in the habit of classifying various commandments as great ones and less ones than others. They were choosing whatever they wanted to because they thought they were in control. Like Christians today. Well, this sin of stealing is not as murder. No, it doesn't work that way. Sin is sin. Obedience is the key in the Old Testament and obedience in the New Testament. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-five, he said that one of them, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him and said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And remember what he says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Two commandments. In James 2.10, he says, Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all of it. All of it. Thank God for the grace of God. Imagine that. So this has to do with the spirit of the law, not the letter. The spirit of the law. Third point. Verse 20. The religious leader in the law. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now what did Jesus say here? What Jesus said here, or what he means here in comparison, is that he's saying that unless you have true faith, you can't be saved. It can't be like the Pharisees bringing people by their own righteousness. Well, I am saved because of all my works. I am a self-righteous person. Nope. Nope. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ. So when you think of the most complete answer that he gives here. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. The Christ and the Pharisees did everything to put on a show. That they were righteous like people today. The Pharisees is Christ. Matthew 23. Therefore whatever they tell you to observe. He says that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say And they don't do. They don't do. They say, but they don't do. In the church, you find people like that too. And then how about the eight woes Jesus brought? The eight woes in Matthew 23, starting with verse 14. Listen carefully. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. Does that sound like TV people that are evangelists and taking the little widows' money? Woe unto you. For you devour little widows' houses, and for a pretense, you make long prayers. Therefore, you shall receive the greater condemnation. They send out their little prayer letters to these people to get money from them. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel land and sea with, to win one proselyte. And when he's won to your religion, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe unto you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the goal of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the goal or the temple that is sanctified? No, that sanctifies the goal. And whoever swears by the altar, it's nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe and mint and anise and coming. And have neglected the weighter matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. 
These ought to have done without leaving the other undone. Blind guides to strain out in a gnat and swallow the camel. What he's saying is this. Look, you give and yet you don't live. You see? And then 25. Won't these Christ and fairies hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish. Can you imagine? They made a real nice look how shiny it is. It's clean. But watch what he says. But inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside may be what? Clean also your heart. Your heart. You can look good outside and yet stink. And then finally, let me give you a couple of things here. We can only be righteous again through our Lord Jesus Christ when we put our faith in him. Number one, we live by faith. Romans 1.17 For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Secondly, we walk by faith. Again, Romans 4.12 In the fathers of circumcision to those who not only are in the circumcision but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while he still was uncircumcised. And then how about thirdly, we pray in secret by faith. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into a room. Go into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard by their much words. Notice praying the rosary and praying to this saint, to that saint. It's nothing. Praying to God. Praying to Jesus. He's the intercessor. And then fourthly, to resist evil by faith. Ephesians 6.16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then fifthly and lastly, to overcome by faith. John, 1 John 2.13. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. And I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We hope today's message has answered any questions you might have about how faith and work fit together in God's plan for your life. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review the lesson you've just heard, we can send you an unedited copy for a gift of $5 or more. Just call us at 800-634-9165 and ask for Raul's teaching titled, Christ Fulfilled the Law. To help further your understanding of what it looks like to closely walk with Christ, we'd like to tell you about Rawls' brand new book, 
Titled Sermon of Sermons, this resource will guide you in making God-honoring decisions as you surrender every area of your life, from finances to relationships. We're offering this book at the discounted pre-order rate of just $12 plus shipping and handling. Now, this is a limited-time offer, so to make your purchase, visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 and ask for Rawls' new book titled Sermon of Sermons. That number, once again, is 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We'd like to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gifts provide the resources we need to continue this gospel outreach. We're so thankful for your partnership. Be sure to tune in next time for more from this Sermon on the Mount series. We'll take a thought-provoking look at the contrasting paths of true companionship with Christ and a works-based spiritual struggle. Now, here's Raul with a concluding thought from today's lesson. And then what happens? We die by faith. You know what's amazing about that? Is a lot of people, they get sad when somebody dies. But don't we understand as Christians, there's an appointed time? God already has a date. So why do we get so bummed out? We know that every one of us has a date when we're going to die. Some today. Some tomorrow. Some next week. Some next month. I don't believe it's by coincidence. I don't believe even doctors say, well, you have more six months to live. God's appointed time. I don't care who you are. Appointed time. You will die. No matter what happens. And then he says this. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. That's what we are. We're pilgrims. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.